0: This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Welcome back to the third lesson in our series of bringing chaos, excuse me, bringing order to chaos. That's, yes, we're learning the opposite there. Uh, We're bringing order to chaos. And this evening, what we're going to be looking at is lesson number three, we're going to be looking at the mandate, God's mandate, for order. And so, I understand, really, for these first several lessons, a lot of it um, is is going to be a little bit of overlap, but that's good, because I want us to be able to really solidify it. And then I I also understand that, that many of these principles, many of these things. Maybe I'm wording it in a different way, but none of this is unknown. You, you guys know this. You know the Genesis story. It's very obvious that there's good versus evil in the world. Uh, it, it's not something that we're unfamiliar with. But I ultimately, the, the point, the goal that we're going towards is figuring out how this plays into the mission of our life. When it comes to missionaries, when it comes to supporting missionaries, when it comes to staying back here and doing what we are supposed to be doing, how is it that we can look at this order versus chaos paradigm and integrate it into our everyday life and use it for God's glory? And so just by way of quick review before we get into uh, the in, this lesson, we learned, first of all, that there is chaos, right? It's not, it's not a surprise to anybody. There's chaos that is all around us. And the world that we live in looks oftentimes very bad, very scary. We look around, there's inflation, there's wars. Uh, you know, now we've got an Air Force general talking about you know, war with China by 2025 and all of these crazy things that are happening. And we can have one of two mentalities, right? From Lesson 1, we learned this. We can have one of two mentalities. Pop quiz. Anybody remember the two mentalities that we could possibly have? This hurts a little. All right. We can either hunker down, right? We can have a, 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 a mentality of fear. We can hunker down and just, by God, we'll wait for the, for the second coming and we're going to hold on till then. Or we can have a it starts. Victoria. Thank you. Oh, yes, Victoria. I was going to say it starts with the and ends in victorious. So okay, uh, we can have a victorious mentality, one that we realize that Christ already came, He already conquered, He's enthroned, and we are waiting for the consummation of that. We're waiting for His return, but He's given us marching orders, and it's not go out and try your best and you know you're going to lose, but you know good luck, try hard anyway. It's go out and conquer, go out, and win people, go out, and bring order to chaos, and so those are the two mentalities, but then we look at Christ, we looked at the New Testament, and Christ came preaching the kingdom, introducing the kingdom of heaven, and upon his resurrection, and we're going to get more into this later in another lesson, but upon his resurrection, right, he was coronated. He began his rule, and so now we bear the responsibility of bringing order to the chaos around us. But last week, we looked at where it comes from. We have to figure out, if we're talking about order, if we're talking about all those things... Are you in here for the class as well? All right, no. All right. There you go, Brother Tavius. Sorry. <laughs> and so if we um, are looking around us... Let me go ahead and just get the notes passed out, and then I'll get my brain back on track yeah we have to figure out what do we mean by order right we can't just say our own definition of order right you know i put everything in a line and i get up at 502 every morning and the but we had to look at order and last week we looked at the god that created order he came from outside of chaos he came from outside of anything and he made everything. There is no battle between him and the forces of evil. He created. And therefore, there were seven principles of order that we looked at. We're not going to review all those, but they're in your notes from last week. So we looked at these principles of order. What does order truly look like according to God? And so, uh, real fast, just by way of review, but we're not going to talk about them. Order requires God. Order requires division. Order requires unity, submission, goodness, progress, and shamelessness. We also see God present himself throughout Scripture as a God of order. But we left off with the question, how can we use these principles of order that are found in the creation story to begin the work of ordering things around us. Did anybody get the chance to think about that this week? We left off with a question, said think about it. Does anybody have anything they want to throw in? How can we use these principles of order to bring, uh, to, bring to order the chaos around us? If there's nothing right off of that, it's okay. But write it down. It's in your notes. Think about it. That's the, that's the key thought that we're trying to get to uh, from last week. But this week, What I want to do, we're going to dive into God's mandate for order. The key thought for this week is this. God's mandate for order is still in effect. And as believers, we have a dual obligation to fulfill or to obey this mandate. We'll talk about the dual obligation in just a minute. But to kind of foreshadow, right, I'm going to give you uh, a heads up. Every person on earth, saved or not, is able to fulfill one part of this order. Every human is created in God's image. Every human is able to bring order to some sort of chaos around them. But we as Christians have a double mandate because now we've entered into kingdom life. We've entered into a spiritual and uh, reality. And so we're called to bring spiritual order to things as well. So that's the key thought, but the objective then is this, I want you all to understand the extent of the dominion mandate and begin to understand how this must apply to all of life at all times. And that will be broken down in just a minute, so let's go ahead and begin. The first thing we're going to look at tonight is the giving of the mandate. We're going to open our Bibles up to Genesis chapter 1. We're pretty much hanging out here all night. and like I said, we're coming up um, I was looking at my lessons and I was looking at I'm gone for at least two Wednesdays that uh, I'm not able to zoom in because I will be I usually don't do Wednesday meetings, but these were the only this was the only thing that could happen with these churches. Uh, so I've got a lot to fit into a little, so we're going to have to start squishing, but that's okay. I've got some ideas. Um, so Genesis one is where we're at. Beginning in verse 26. All right, and the Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created uh, man in his own image. I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree uh, in which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed to you it shall be for meat and to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good in the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Technically we have chapter 2 verses 7 through 9 and then chapter 2 verses 15 through 25 as well. We'll get to verse 15 of chapter 2 toward the end of the lesson. But the first thing that we want to look at is the giving of the mandate or in other words this is really this is the beginning of God's remedy for chaos. How do we begin to bring order to chaos last week we got the principles right these seven principles of order and now we begin to start figuring out okay we look at God we look at what he did and he gives this mandate this command and this is how we begin to implement things so really we're hanging out for the most part in verse 28 of chapter 1 in the first words really recorded, and if you, and this is also from Genesis 2, verses 7 through 9, um, some of the first words recorded to man were both a command and a blessing, right? So we will look at chapter 2. It's not too far away. Um, let's see here. Let's go down to verse 16 of chapter 2. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And we also see in some of the texts that we just read, uh, in chapter 1, verse 20, let's see, uh, 20, hmm? no, 20, 29. Behold, I have given you every herb, right, and so God blesses them. So what we have here, the very first words of God to mankind are both a blessing and a command all at the same. Man was created to be co-ruler with God. Not equal, not on par with him, but in the sense that God, as God of all creation, of all of the cosmos, God looked at earth and he said, You're the one that I'm putting in charge in my stead. And what's really amazing is that we see this fall, and we'll talk about this later, but we see this fall, but now all the way over, let's see, um, that way we don't all have to get there, I'll just turn there. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 through 6. Well, right off the bat, maybe you guys know this. Where does it say that right now we are seated at? Hmm? In the heavenlies. We are seated currently right now with Christ in the heavenly places. In other words, what I want us to understand right off the bat tonight, God created everything. He said, hey, you, mankind, I am glorifying, I'm elevating you. Psalm 8 tells us that we were crowned with glory and honor. I'm elevating you to rule everything in my stead. We fell, and now, due to the grace of God, in Christ, we have been elevated again, not as gods, and you understand what I'm saying, but we've been elevated back to a position of honor. And so, what we need to understand is that we come to this, we come to the ability to bring order with authority. This isn't us trying to trying to impose our will on the chaos around us. This is us coming to chaos in the authority of Christ, in Christ, and being able to say, hey, look, I'm here to bring order to this situation. So let's figure out how that happens. Verse 28, and God blessed them. Here's the words, right? And said unto them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. So number one, under the giving of the mandate, so I guess letter A, we see that be fruitful and multiply. How are we supposed to take these seven principles of order? How are we supposed to look at all of the chaos around us and to bring it into order? Now, I ask this question. I want to ask it again. We, we talked about how, um, how the chaos often makes us feel. I think we're the first classes... You know, and we had, we had different answers. We had scary, we had angry, right? It makes us feel nervous, angry, frustrated, confused. Because when we look around at this world, the chaos is a little bit bigger than we are, right? I can't fix anything in Honduras. Not You're going to Honduras, but I can't fix anything, I'll point this way, in Honduras. And I can't fix anything in Russia, and I can't do anything about uh, Ukraine right now. So, so how, what does it mean, then, for me to bring chaos to order? Well, the very first thing, or order to chaos, I keep getting that mixed up tonight. The very first thing is that to be fruitful and multiply. How does this work? First of all, we look at the general observations. The word fruitful is just the word para. It's a very general word for to bear fruit. Then we look at multiply. It means to increase or to be great. This is, this is, this is a great command. And we're all married in here, right? Everybody's happy. Almost all of us are all married, and everybody's happy that God gave us this command. Go out, be fruitful, and multiply. It's a wonderful, wonderful command. And so uh, it means to increase, to, to become great. But here's, here's where we start to look at things. If we're going to bring order to everything else around us, if we're going to bring order to our job, if we're going to bring order to uh, all of the crazy things, and we want to affect our country, it begins with us. Order must begin with yourself. Adam looks around and in verse two or chapter two verse 20, and Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found an help me for him. I can't imagine being Adam. Uh, one, that would I mean it would be pretty cool, first person in the world, you are wise, you are, uh, I mean, you're just, I don't know. I have no idea. I would have no idea what it's like to to be that. But you're looking at everything, man. I mean, you're looking at the great woolly mammoths, and you're looking at, you know, T-Rex over here. And, you know, he's got, you know, Daddy T-Rex and Mama T-Rex. And then he looks around, and there's nobody for him. And Adam realizes that there's kind of an issue here, and God did that on purpose. Adam looks around, and he realizes there's no... Azer Konegdo, we talked about this last uh, last week. There's no help meet for him. There's no completer for him. One thing that if we're going to begin to bring order to the chaos that is around us, we need to realize that we first work on ourselves. I cannot bring order to anything if I'm in disorder. Have you ever had that happen? Where, uh, where people kind of come up to you and, you know, they give you advice about, you know, housekeeping. And you're like, <laughs> I've been to your house before, you know, that kind of a thing. Or, uh, you know, that would be like me coming up to Brother Warren and saying, you know, let me teach you a thing or two about about, about turning wood. You know, I, I, can, I know how to turn wood, like a little tiny bit, but that's it. And that'd be me, that'd be the, 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 the apprentice coming to the master, right, and saying, here, let me show you a thing or two. I need to get myself in order first. And so order needs to begin with ourselves. And then order must extend to our home and our families. In other words, to fix the world, we need to fix first our families. 1 Timothy 3.2, obviously it's it's being spoken specifically to to pastors, to bishops, but it says, look, how how can you rule the church? How can you come in? and be an example to others if your own household is in disarray. Now, every believer ought to be able to live up to most of the qualifications of being a pastor. I mean, you know, I I get there's some things that other people can't live up to. You know, we can't have a, a lady being the husband of one wife or something like that. I get that. But morally, all of those moral commands, that's not only for pastors. That's for all of us. When we go back and we look at Genesis what is god instituting the first thing he's instituting is a family and in order for he's got big plans for adam look i'm putting you in the garden you're gonna rule the world step one get a wife order your family that's that's step one so we need to be able to first rule ourselves, bring ourselves in order. And we also see Paul talk about this. Paul says, I bring my body under subjection, right? He was the master of his own body. And then if we have a family, we need to be able to order our families. And so the common teaching is true, right? If you are married, then aside from God, right? It's marriage first, then the children, and then everything else. If we're going to be able to order whatever else is around us, we can't come back to chaos in the home and expect to be able to create order out in the world. It's just not how it works. And so then there's a spiritual observation about this as well. Order then needs to be extended into the broader category of being fruitful and multiplying disciples of Christ. Remember, what we're looking at tonight is, is again, more principles. So, I'm not saying that when God said, be fruitful and multiply, that he was speaking dualistically and saying, and also make disciples of Christ. But in the Bible, we often see themes and patterns repeated over and over and over and over again. We'll talk about this in a little bit with the temple and the garden. I really believe that if we step back and if we look at these things as mature Christians, we see... If we're going to bring order to what is around us, yes, obviously in our physical families, with our physical self, we bring all of that into order first. And we're to be fruitful and to multiply, to realize we need people, I need to bring myself into order, and then if God gives me a spouse, I go out and I create order in my family. But we also are told to to be fruitful and to multiply, to bring people to Christ, we're also to exhort ourselves and each other in marriage to exhort our children, right? Deuteronomy 11, 19 through 21 talks about how we're to write these on the table of our heart. We're to write the law on the doorposts so that when we go out, when we sit down, when we lay down, we are imparting spiritual knowledge to our children. How do we bring order to what is around us? We start at the home. That's really what it is. So then I think if we were to kind of look at it and put it into New Testament terms, right? Acts terms. This would be our Jerusalem. If we're going to bring order to the rest of the world, it has to start close to home. All right. Any observations? Any questions thus far? No? All right. Good. For what it's worth, I'm feeling a little stuck tonight. I know what I'm trying to get out, but I'm just it's coming out, so... Try not to do preachy stuff. Letter B. Right? So this this uh verse twenty-eight, he blessed them. What's he saying? He says, be fruitful and multiply. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, okay? But uh when I look at it, if I'm understanding it right, that's kind of like one command. It's not be fruitful, and then the second command is multiply, and then it's you know this and that. It seems to me to match up, be fruitful and multiply, so then second of all, it's fill and subdue, fill and subdue. The first word is just mala, means to fill up, and it's a really basic term, but the second word, now I remember growing up, my dad used to say, we're going to put a kibosh on it. Never knew until just a few days ago where the word kibosh came from, and it's right here, it's the word kibosh. That was pretty cool. So, Dad, you've been teaching me Hebrew all my life. <laughs> just, just roll with it. Tell me that you knew it, and there you go. So this word, kavash, right, it, it's the word that we're looking at here to subdue, right? Be fruitful, multiply, and then it says be, uh, replenish the earth and subdue it. Replenish is just this word for fill it up, right? And then, uh, and then uh, sub- subdue it. It has the idea of to bring into subjugation or subjection. Now, most of the time, if you look this term up in Hebrew, most of the time it has to do with land. It's saying bring this, cultivate it, bring the land into subjection. There are times, though, uh, where it does talk more about bringing a conquered people under subjection as slaves or as, uh, as forced servants. And so, ultimately, it's not, it's not necessarily a, um, I'm not saying that it's a negative term, but it's a, it's a harder term. This is something that we are to bring it underneath of something, we're to bring it underneath of order, and we're to keep it there. That's the idea. And so, we are to fill up the earth, and then he's talking about the land, right? We're to subdue it, we're to bring it under subjection. Anybody here have a garden? Yes. One. All right. One guy. Two. All right. Two. I know Sarah's dad. uh, They have a massive garden that they do every year. Now, Brother Mike, does it stay under subjection for you all of the time? Or do you have to weed it? We have to weed it a lot. Yeah. All the time. Right. And so what's interesting is this is done before the fall. This is, this is uh, God saying, look, keep it under subjection. This is before the fall. Just an interesting thought to me. Um, I've got some theories here and there, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but what I want us to see then, is that this command to fill and subdue is directly talking about the ground or man's work. And so what we can take away from this then, how do we go out? And we begin to bring order to chaos. Number one, we're fruitful and we multiply. We look at ourselves, we bring ourselves into order, we bring our family into order, we do what is immediately around us uh, within our, our family unit. But number two, we need to understand that order must extend to our immediate surroundings. All of that we have, the things that we have control over, our work, our neighborhoods, property, our car, etc., should all be brought under order. Now, what I'm not saying is that everything needs to be perfect. I'm not saying that if you uh you know you have a messy kitchen tonight when you leave church that you are in abject sin, that's not what I'm saying at all, but I'm saying in general, if we want to bring order to all of the big things that we feel like we can't grasp, it starts with us and it extends outward. Little by little. And so we see, uh, for sake of time, we won't go there, but they're familiar verses Ecclesiastes 9:10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Uh, Growing up, I remember my dad uh, would always, we started a lawn care business. I started it, he stole it, that's another time. Uh, But, He would always teach me, look, do it with quality. Always do it with quality. If you see a little piece of garbage on the ground, don't mow over it. Pick it up. You know, that kind of a thing. That's what I'm talking about. We've lost that in our society today. You know, so many people uh, are fine with things being done, you know, 93% of the way. It was almost good, right? Now, there's a difference between excellence and perfection, right? There's a big difference. We need to strive for excellence. Perfection often takes way too long and we can't achieve it most of the time because we're not God, right? But, (laughs) But we need to be able to extend order to our immediate surroundings. Pay attention to the little things. Look at what's going on in your neighborhood. Figure out these things. Now, this sounds small, doesn't it? Maybe you were coming to class and you're like, all right, we're going to come and figure out how do we bring order to China. But it starts with doing these little things. It starts with being able to simply be obedient and bringing order, bringing subjection to the chaos that is immediately around us. I tell people often that, you know, half of our job in Chuk is just keeping the jungle out of our house like it you know it's it's we have a we have a pretty large yard and at the back of it there's a fence uh that goes into more of our landlord's property but it's just jungle and so i am constantly having to just whack that stuff back the jungle is constantly trying to get into the house and what you know dirt we got lizards all over the place, which are good, because then we don't have cockroaches all over the place. But, you know, we're constantly trying to keep things. And then I've got, you know, I've got a really pretty plant growing here, and then (laughs) the jungle tries to kill it, you know. And so that's this idea. Until we get into eternity, we will constantly be fighting back the chaos in our immediate area. But that is part of God's plan for us. So what's the spiritual observation then? When we look at this, I'm not trying to allegorize or I'm not trying to, um, you know, make it higher than the Lord intended it to be. But I do believe that there are parallels. So this extends to our surroundings. And the question is, is do we bring spiritual order wherever we go? There's a, there's, to, there's there, I just gave away the answer that I was going to ask you about. There's a, there's popular buzzwords, right? That are out there. We always talk about toxic relationships. I hear about these often. I look at them online, you know, people talk about, you know, get away from the toxic people in your life, and and I get the sentiment to a point. The question is, I've always wondered this, what did Christ do with toxic people? He went to them, he rebuked some of them, for sure, but he went to them, he loved them, he ruffled their feathers. How do we, do we bring spiritual order, do we bring a calmness about us when we enter into situations when that one uncle is going to be there? Or, oh man, you know, my uh, my 16-year-old child, right, I'm imagining Milena in a few years, right, my 16-year-old child came home and is all reared, you know, wound up rearing to go. Do I bring spiritual order? Am I... Filling this place with spiritual order? Am I bringing all of this chaos into subjection? Or am I part of the issue? So do we bring this wherever we go? We need to be looking, whatever surrounding we walk into, we need to be seeking, how can I bring order physically? And how can I bring order spiritually? Everywhere. How many of you have ever been to Walmart? Okay, good. All right, awesome. Maybe... How many of you have noticed? All right, so for instance, Sarah and I came back. Well, I'll use Target, right? I'll pick on Target for a minute. Before we left, I don't know. Maybe I don't remember it right, but Sarah and I came back from Chook and we were in Target one night. I think we were looking. You mentioned it at one point, and then we were looking for, like, Uriah's first outfit or something. And, I mean, it was, it was just crazy. Like, the, the, the clothing section was just torn apart, People had done, you know. I mean, it was just all over the place. Anybody ever noticed that with Walmart? I mean, is it? Do you guys go to the perfect Walmart or perfect Target, or is it torn apart? Right. Now, I'm not saying go and work for Target for free and rearrange everything for them, but that's what I'm talking about. These small things. We think, we think that in order to be effective for Christ, we have to go out and do giant things. When in reality. Christ did amazing things. He did so many things that if they were written in a book, I suppose the world itself could not contain them. There's so many acts that Christ did that were in the quiet. Yes. I have a brother at my prior church. One of his things was he'd go to a store and there are shopping carts Mm. in the parking lot. Yes. He would take it in. I love it. That's what I'm talking about. And, and, and so, one of the big things, I appreciate that, because one of the big things I want us to get out of this class, we want to see the world brought under submission to Christ. But the only thing that we can affect immediately is ourselves, our family, and our immediate surrounding. And so, it's doing things like this that we begin to see. So, we extend this to our surroundings. This is our Judea and Samaria. Samaria. Walmart's not a very fancy or very exotic, well, it can be exotic if you go to the right one, but Walmart is not the, you know, when we think of going out to the mission field, we don't think of, you know, kind of the boring, mundane things, but that's oftentimes what it is. Bringing order to the chaos that is around us. It's been far too long on this very first point, but this is the longest one in in fairness. So, letter C, the third part of this mandate, this dominion mandate, right? Be fruitful and multiply. We're taking this as personal, right? Bring ourselves and our family into order. Number two, fill and subdue. Control what is around you. Bring order to what is around you the very best that you can. Sometimes people don't want to come under the order of Christ, but we are to be that light. So then letter C, we're to have dominion. This word dominion, we're going to come back to it. A lot in the coming weeks. It's this word, Radah, and it means to subjugate, reign, or prevail over. And it's different than what we just looked at, the Kabash, in that often it has to do with people ruling over people or living things. Not always in a very despotic way, right? God told Adam, you're to have dominion. You were to rule over. Now, obviously, he wasn't telling Adam, go out with a whip, beat all the animals into submission, and, uh, and you make them know who's boss. But rather, it was a dominion of firmness and yet love and kindness. And so that's the meaning of this word dominion or ruling. The final part of the dominion mandate extends beyond our immediate borders. So Adam is in the Garden of Eden, right? And he is to go out and take dominion of everything outside of Eden. I would love, I hope we find out one day. The Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about what was outside of Eden, but it sounds pretty crazy. I don't, and I've got different ideas and thoughts here and there, but Eden was a sanctuary, and God said go out and have dominion." Very interesting to think about. And so, mankind was to bring dominion or order to the rest of the world. And the more order that is brought, the more that it God is glorified. So, you know, just as a side note, this is why we take care of animals. And we take care of the environment. And we take care about rare and exotic species. I remember growing up, kind of thinking like, ah, poo on the environmentalists and poo on this and that. What they've done is elevated the creature over the creator. But oftentimes what we end up doing is the inverse, where we say, well, forget all of that. That's all hogwash, and we're just here to serve God. Well, God put us in charge of a very physical world. You know, when Christ, this is interesting, when Christ went in and cleansed the temple, did you realize that he didn't knock over the cages of birds? He left them up. Christ cares for the sparrows. And so we as the rulers of this earth ought to also care. I'm not saying go out and you know lick dogs in the face and all that stuff, but like we ought to care for the world that is around us. This is part of the dominion mandate. If you want to go out and bring order to chaos, go out and take good care of this world. But this is also then Kind of more obviously, this is the spiritual observation of, of the bigger picture. Missions, then, is bringing ultimate dominion, the m- dominion of Christ, to places that are not yet conquered by the gospel. And therefore, this is our uttermost parts of the earth. We're going to be fruitful and multiply in our own Jerusalem, in our own selves, in our, our, our own families. We're to fill and subdue, to bring our immediate surroundings into Christ's dominion, and then we are to go out and take dominion of the further reaches. We're to go out and attempt hard things. And so, yep, I wish we had a lot of time, uh, but Habakkuk 2.14 and Isaiah 9.7, I'll just sum them up for you real quick because we're going to have to wrap up here in a minute. Habakkuk 2.14 says, The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As the uh, the, uh, the waters cover the seas? As the water covers the seas. Thank you. This is interesting because here, then you also think about Isaiah 9 7. It says that his kingdom will ever be expanding. Now, again, we're going to get back to this, but if at the resurrection of Christ is 1 Corinthians 15, Acts 2, Acts 13. Of all of these places, they use the Psalms. They say, look, Christ was elevated, he was coronated at the resurrection. The Kingdom is already, but not yet, his kingdom is now expanding. That means that you and I, as ambassadors of Christ have authority in him to go out and bring order to the furthest reaches of this world. That should excite us and it should humble us, but we should also know then that this isn't something that might happen, but the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. His kingdom is ever increasing. It won't stop. So we are part of a command that has some oomph behind it. It has. Uh, it's not like taking a command from you know a kindergarten teacher uh, somewhere that, that can't enforce the rules. This is the command from the king of the universe. And we know that it will happen. And so let's quickly go on. Really, this was the largest point. The rest of it goes pretty quickly. I want to see the effects of this mandate then. God gave us the mandate, okay? So we, we rewind. We're going to keep rewinding. God creates the world. He comes from outside. He creates everything. He creates perfect order. Now he's mandating this order. He's telling us about it. And he says, look, start with yourselves. Go to your immediate surroundings and then eventually get out of your own borders and go bring order to everything. What does this do then? Well, the effects of the mandate, first of all, they give purpose to every person. They give a purpose to every person. We we mentioned it at the very beginning, but, you know, there's two shades of this order. There's a very physical, every person is made in the image of God. Every single one of them. From the most vile, wicked one, all the way to the St. Paul, Right? all of them are made in the image of God and therefore all people have the potential to fulfill this dominion mandate bringing dominion in order to what is around them so therefore this gives purpose to every person but when we really hone in and we think about our own situation this gives purpose to every single church member there's no church member that has no purpose Even the ones, even the most meek and mild and humble, and maybe what we would view as untalented among us, all of them have a purpose because they are in the image of God, they have Christ in them, and he has given the the mandate, go out and conquer. This gives direction to every person. Man, we look around today, there's an epidemic of men, especially young men, that have no unction in life. They don't do anything. They stay at home, they live at home, they play video games, they go out and work a minimum wage job. Why? Because they don't understand that Christ has given them an amazing opportunity, an amazing command, go out and bring order. That changes lives. This gives potential to every person. And so what this mandate does then is also it gives people free will. God tells us, look, this is what I want you to do, but He doesn't tell us how to specifically do it. Adam, you will now go down to the mine over here, and this is a thing called iron ore. And you will now somehow pick out iron ore and you will start a fire. He doesn't tell Him how to do that. He says, bring order. And now people are out finding iron ore and they're making brass and they're having to create garden tools so that they can, they can uh, properly tend to everything and, and, and they're making wheels and they discover fire. Why? Because God gave this mandate for order. Many bad people have had dominion, right? We look at Nimrod, we look at Pharaoh, we look at Ahab, Herod, we look at Hitler and Mao. We look at a lot of the petty tyrants even that are in our bureaucracy today. People that get a little bit of power and dominion and they lord it over people. But it also means that we all have free will that we are all able to fulfill this command from God. All right. Number three, then. We won't be able to spend as much time here as I was hoping, but that's okay. Everybody good? I think we technically have till quarter after, am I right? right? Okay, everybody all right? Any questions or comments thus far? You know, when I was a kid, I used to work on, on farms in the summertime, and um, all these dairy farmers we'd bail hay and alfalfa, and you look at their fence rows and how they're maintained. And then I look around here in some of these neighborhoods, and their fences are falling yep. over. Yep. And there is all good that Yes, sir. When we moved into our current house, we had a, a fence that was falling down, so that went away, and we put up a new fence. We had seven-foot-high ligustrums so they couldn't see the trail. Mm. Our chainsaw took care of all that. Yes, sir. And now we can talk to people on the trail. Awesome. And they had all these holly bushes around his house. That all went away. Now <laughs> well, I can see into the window, man. how about that? You know? Yes, sir. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's good. But people, you, we, you look at somebody's yard, though, I can tell a lot about a person And their yard. I agree. The grass is growing all over the sidewalk. Yes, sir. uh, brother, I'm telling you, man, (laughs) you're 25 years old. (laughs) I'm a little older, but yeah. I don't know what we're getting. I don't know what to make of it. Well, real quick, we want to finish up. We're going to look at the realm of the mandate. Okay. This might be obvious, but I think there's some points that we miss on this. And, and, And brother Mike is bringing something out. Before he even knew what I was going to say, but look, we are not Christian Gnostics. Okay, Gnosticism. Really quickly, it was this idea that the only thing that is real, the only thing that is good, is spiritual. Anything physical is evil. Paul deals with this in Colossians. He deals with this throughout First uh, First John. John deals with this in, in in is it First John? Yeah, First John. Um, And so, there's this idea. Now, we would obviously, we all say, yes, yes, we're not Gnostics, and we all say that. But here's what I mean by it. So many times, we are guilty of separating spiritual and physical. I work in the secular realm, and I work in the spiritual realm. And that is separating what God never separated. God commanded man, bring dominion to this earth. Why? Why? to work with me. And so we are not Christian Gnostics. What is this command? So again, here's why I'm bringing this out. So many people now are hanging on for dear life until the second coming of Christ, and we're just trying to get as many people saved as we possibly can, and that's great. We ought to be going out and proclaiming the gospel, but we also have order to bring to the physical things around us Because Christ commanded it. He made the world. We talked about this last week uh, where we look at uh, 1 Peter 3 and it it talks about how he's going to burn up the world but really that word is talking about how he's refashioning it. He's purifying it and bringing out the good. right? And so we cannot be Christian Gnostics in this. We need to go out and physically around us like Brother Mike is saying clean up the yard man, make it look good do your best around, you pick up the garbage, these small things. God created man to rule the physical world, and the physical world is where we will dwell. Revelation twenty-one two tells us the new Jerusalem is going to descend to the earth. So this is our home. We better take good care of it now and bring order to it now, For the kingdom of Christ. Now, um, I've already asked this. I don't know if this will pop up. Let's see. Yeah, all right. So, spiritual. The realm of the mandate is also obviously spiritual. Mankind was supposed to be priests before God. The temple mirrored the garden. The temple mirrored the garden. It's really interesting in the way that we can kind of bring this out. Um, if you look at Exodus 25, 31 through 40, you look at, and this is just one small example. I mean, I, I couldn't list all of them. In the temple, what was most of the imagery? It was pomegranates and trees and flowery things. The temple mirrored Eden. How do we also, there, there's some words that in, verse, in chapter 2, verse 15, he tells Adam to dress garden and to keep the garden this word dress is the word abad and it's used of the same uh, it's used of the priests later on in in numbers 3 verses 7 through 8 the priests are told to do this thing they're told to abad right to cultivate to minister within the temple genesis is using priestly language about Adam and Eve. They were to be priests. Then they were also to keep it, which is a really interesting word. Again, it means to observe or to watch it or protect it. Maybe were they supposed to keep it, guard it from Satan? I don't know. Uh, but they were to protect it. And again, this is the same in the same passage, Genesis 3, 7 through 8. This word for keep is used of priestly duties. This is important because Christ made us humans to dwell on a physical plane with very spiritual realities also happening, not separated, but together. What does this mean? We're going to keep hitting on this point, but over and over and over again, I need us and I want us to understand our physical work is not separated from our spiritual work. God made humans to be priests unto Him, rulers of this world, and what was their job? Gardening, subduing, bringing order to chaos. So this mandate hasn't gone away. The fall messed it up. We messed it up a little bit. We're going to talk about that soon, but the mandate hasn't gone away. We still have the same mandate: bring order. To chaos, bring dominion to what is not yet dominated by Christ. And so, um, real quick, you can you can look through this. I want to get to the last point because we're done. But you can look at the observations of the mandate, right? If you look throughout the Bible, you'll see um, godly people, right? Any godly person that you look at throughout the Bible, they were bringing order to their realm, right? They were bringing dominion. So those are there. Again, I would encourage you to look those up. Double-check what I'm saying. Don't just believe me. But every week I want to end with a, a question, a question that we think about. If God, oops, there it was too. If God has mandated order, but the world rejects his order, what should our response be? Now, I, I do want to pose that question. What What are your thoughts as we close? If God mandates order... So look, the first week we asked this question, we said... Uh, how did I phrase it? I had it in my mind, and I went over all this, and I don't have it written down right here. The first week we asked, if, if Christ brought the kingdom, right, And why is everything so bad now? And it's because Christ crushed the head of the snake but the tale is still going. And then last week we were asking right about if Christ uh created the world and wants us to bring order and yet in the end he says he's going to destroy the earth why should we even care what should we try to do and we looked at that we gave a biblical answer to that and that word to destroy or to burn up it's more like a purification he's making it new again and so this week i want us to meditate and think about if god has mandated order but the world rejects his order what should our response be Do I have that written down there? Actually, it says to continue to bring order. Nice. Well, all right. And you didn't read it, so you got the answer right. Congratulations. So, yes, that's what, wa- that what I want to say. Romans 8.37, uh, it says that we are more than conquerors. And, and I'm looking at that, and you look at all the bad things it's talking about, right? Neither uh, death, principalities, angels, nothing can come against the love of Christ or separate us from it. Why? Because we are hyper we are more than conquerors, super conquerors is what that word means. Only time it's used. And then later on or in in other scriptures, uh, you have the word Nike or Nikao used, which is to conquer. In Luke eleven twenty two, John sixteen thirty three, and first John five four, over and over and over and over again, we are told that the victory is ours. So if people don't want to listen, that's on them. Doesn't mean that we quit. We continue to bring order. So we'll finish with First John five forty five four. The word says this. well, oh, almost. My Bible is super slippery. First John 5.4 four. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. We go out, we bring order, even when it keeps going back into chaos, when they reject it, and we trust that victory is sure. All right. Father, thank you for the day. We love you. Pray that you would continue to help us to bring order, even in the smallest areas of our life. Because we know that if we are faithful in the little things, you give us more responsibility and you allow us to do greater things later. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.